Here we are locked on NFL Tuesday edition. Alongside the scout, Matt Williamson, I am Brian Peacock. We take you around the league daily here on the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network. We've got to talk about Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, their beatdown of the Rams on Monday Night Football. Uh, We haven't talked much about the other primetime game, which was uh, a dominating effort from the 49ers over the 8-2 Green Bay Packers. So some big matchups on primetime in Week 12, leading into another one with the 49ers and those Baltimore Ravens in Week 13. So we've got to talk about that stuff. I want to get into the NFL 100 as well, Matt, because we have not yet talked about that. The running backs have been released, and we have the finalists for the defensive linemen and the linebackers that will be revealed Friday. And I think uh, I have a feeling you have some thoughts about uh, some of the players that were selected at those position groups for the NFL 100 all-time team. Uh, You can find this podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. You can find me on Twitter at BDPeacock. Follow Matt at WilliamsonNFL. Let's start with Monday Night Football, Matt. 45-6, the Baltimore Ravens beat down the defending NFC champion Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, you mentioned the two night games, and it's funny because... Late in your Niners victory on Sunday night, I tweeted out, man, the fan in me wants to see Ravens-Niners Super Bowl. And I got about a million responses. Well, you'll see it next week. I I didn't even look at the schedule. I didn't know they were set to play each other this upcoming (laughs) week. That's going to be a blast. But I think those are the teams, and it's early, but, boy, they would be a fun matchup. But let's talk Ravens-Rams. I... Our founder, David Locke, just threw out there on Twitter, hey, Williamson might know a thing or two. He put the Ravens one in the power ranks. And thank you, David, and I do think I know a thing or two. <laughs> Good call. And I, feel pretty, <laughs> and I feel pretty strong that they are the number one team. But I thought they might slip up a little bit in L.A. You know, cross country, the Rams are desperate, golf plays better at home. Um, I didn't expect just a total beatdown blowout, talking about Lamar as MVP, running rampant, Marquise Brown, the defense just destroying Goff and company. And I feel very strong that the Ravens are the best team in the league. I think the Niners are right on their heels for second. But, boy, the Rams have problems. <laughs> I mean, that was – I took as much of that away from it as Baltimore being great. But the Rams have problems. The Marcus Peters revenge game there, too, uh, for the Baltimore Ravens. And that defense is what's really – I think had the big turnaround for Baltimore from their couple of losses earlier in the season. And Lamar Jackson has been doing his work all year long, but the efficiency in the passing game that's set up by the run game is what blows me away by this Baltimore Ravens team. And it's so hard to, to cover both of those things. When you have someone like Lamar Jackson, who's dynamic, who can get away from the rush, make plays with his legs, and then he'll just find someone wide open down the field because you have to uh, have so much, so much of your defense is occupied by trying to stop the run, and he's just got these speedsters, Marquise Brown down the field, and then he's just like whoop, and just can can throw these these little uh, these sidearm wing shots to a wide open player who's got space to work with in the open field. It's just scary because he threw five touchdown passes, and you think, oh man, that was you know probably threw for four hundred yards. He only had one hundred and sixty nine yards passing. So every it seemed like <laughs> right. every pass he completed, uh, actually, and a third of the passes he completed, the fifteen completions out of twenty attempts went for touchdowns. And so it's just got to be maddening for a defense to have that sort of a weapon on offense that you have to account for in the run and pass game. And oh yeah, Mark Ingram can run the ball a little bit too. Fifteen carries for one hundred and eleven yards. Absolutely, and 
you know, all those touchdowns were pretty much in the same areas of the field. You know, I mean, it's a difficult guy to defend. Uh, before we upgraded and brought you on the Locked On NFL podcast, and I, I've been bragging about this, I'm not going to harp on it, but everyone knows Lamar was my number one quarterback in that class. And during his rookie year, I often said, man, he threw the ball better at Louisville than he did it his rookie year in Baltimore. And then I went back in the offseason, his past offseason, watched all his throws as a rookie and came to the conclusion he was better than I thought as a rookie. But when he missed, he missed so bad that there's a misconception that, boy, this guy isn't very accurate. And where I'm going with this is, for those of you that have been listening for a while, Sage Rosenfels, former NFL quarterback, used to join me every Wednesday, I think it was. And Sage and Lamar worked out together, or there was some relationship there. And I remember Sage saying, Lamar's really struggling with the NFL ball in his rookie season. You know, people don't think about that much, and they mentioned it on the broadcast last night. So I think we kind of broke that news way back when. And you could, I mean, it's bigger, it's a little different. There's enough adjustments as there is in the league, and it sure looks like he's not struggling anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, and he always had the arm. It was clear he could throw the heck yeah. out of the football, but yeah, just the the little things and the accuracy, and I think some footwork, and we're seeing a lot of those. Uh, and it's it's one of the things that makes. Uh, someone like uh, that quarterback over in Kansas City, pretty fun to watch too with some of the arm angles and some of the weird ways he throws the ball. And Lamar Jackson's, uh, on one hand, getting better mechanically, I think. And like you mentioned with the ball, I had not even thought of that either. And, and there's so many things you have to do to transition from the college game to the NFL game. But he's getting better at the the off-platform throws and, and the weird you know, the weird places he ends up with with his body when he decides, okay, oh man, I could scramble here for nine yards, but man, I've got a guy 20 yards down the field, so I got to fling this all of a sudden, and he might not be set up like your normal pocket passer would be at that point, so being able to make those throws as well as the other things coming together and everything coming together mentally, it's frightening what Lamar Jackson is doing right now. Yeah, it is, and I'm sitting here thinking, like, what if the Major League Baseball baseball was an ounce heavier than the minors or college? You know, right. like, yeah. that'd be hard as a pitcher. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we never talk about that. You just assume, ah, oh, football's a football, pick it up, throw it like you did in college. But I bet it, there's many more examples of that being a hurdle. Are you worried about the Rams long-term and the, the resources yes. they put? We talked a lot about this after that trade and, you know, no first-round picks for five straight years now with the, unless, you know, they trade back in somehow. But Jared Goff not looking great, two interceptions in that game, um, you know, only five – Point seven average passing the ball, 37 attempts. So he chucked it a bunch of times, but just no results out of that passing game. Uh, they had to abandon the run early. Uh, they only ran the ball nine times all game, even though it, you know, it didn't really work much when they did, but they pretty much had to abandon it and, and couldn't really do anything to come back in that football game. The, the Rams still six and five, so they're not terrible. But right now in that NFC playoff picture, they got two teams way ahead of them now in the NFC West. So this year uh, might be you know a done deal for the Rams as far as talking about the playoffs. But next year and, and beyond, I might be even a little bit worried for L.A. Yeah, I am too. Um, it, it took a very interesting team-building approach from day one, and I do think a lot of it stems from the city they're in and the star power and how they need to attract fans as, a, as opposed to Green Bay or New Orleans or, you know, the other, other towns. But, you know, they, they're so top-heavy with massive contracts to stars. And that in itself doesn't, you know, I don't think is terrible. 
but they better all be great contracts and Gurley and Goff might not be. And that's two key positions, especially the quarterback, of course, that you have a lot invested and are not getting a lot out. And Gurley, they gave him a year early and, you know, the medical obviously looms with him and no first round picks to go address your other areas of need. What they have is stars, no middle class, and then a lot of third and fourth round picks on their rookie deal. And it makes you think they better hit a home run with a starting center guard tackle, whatever, in the third or fourth round, and that's hard to do. Right. Yeah, that can be very difficult, and you can't buy your way out of anything now and add stars that way through free agency with the money that you're going to have wrapped up in in a few stars on your team already, so... Uh, interesting and then on the first-round picks to go right. get the next Brandon Cooks or Sue or exactly. Peters or, you know. And Sean McVay, I think we need to see an adjustment, a readjustment to the adjustment. I think the league has adjusted to McVay after yeah. just jumping out like crazy, you know, the young genius offensive mind. And I still think McVay's a really good football coach, and, you know, I, I think he can pull out of it. But I think some some readjustments there to happen in the offseason with, uh, with uh, the schemes with the Los Angeles Rams as well. Yeah, I agree, and I thought there'd be more of that this year that still hasn't come to fruition. They're just very reliant on the running game and offensive line, considering who their quarterback is, and that's being exposed. And, uh, you know, his counterpart in your town is doing a much better job and rebounded from a rough year and sure looks like the superior offensive mind of the two right now. Right, and it's it's crazy when you have the bullets how much better – your mind looks offensively too, which the 49ers are uh, roster-wise doing doing a lot better things now. And that NFC West, I mean, if the Rams were in a different division, they'd be still in this thing. but Or a different conference. Or a different yeah. conference, right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think they might be done. Okay, we've got to talk more. Actually, I want to talk a little bit about the MVP race now. And uh, Sunday Night Football, 49ers, Packers, NFL 100, a lot to get to here on today's show. Every weekend, our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test, so why aren't you doing the same? We're almost halfway through the NFL season, so now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with MyBookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at MyBookie. If you like to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay, pick your locks for the week, put them together in one parlay bet, and when they all come out together on top, the rewards will be huge. The best part is, if you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in $1,000, they'll give you $1,000 to bet at MyBookie. That's double your initial deposit you can use on all your favorite picks. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. That's promo code locked on to double your first deposit. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. So when it comes to Lamar Jackson, do you put him way out ahead now for the number one spot for the MVP race where we sit today? I think I would pretty easily going into week 13. The other names, Wilson, he's had a couple of rough outings in a row, played a couple of uh, good defenses. So, you know, not that he's fallen off. Uh, same with Dak. Same with Aaron Rodgers. Some of those names at quarterback that people have thrown into the MVP race earlier in this season. Watching Lamar Jackson take off the last two weeks and go crazy with those guys, especially last week with Dak and Wilson and Rodgers, all three faltering. Is it a clear leader now in Lamar Jackson, who I, I think some people might have argued Wilson, Dak over Lamar before 
you know, eight days ago, let's say. Yeah, I, I the guys, Rogers, Dak, and Watson are all guys I respect, but I never really strongly considered them for the race. And I think I've been very much in the Wilson corner, and I think I'm now to the point after this past week, which is no knock on Wilson, that it has to be Lamar, that he's just more dynamic, more impact. I don't know if he's more impact. I mean, Wilson is a total superstar and is obviously further along in his quarterback education and development. But what Lamar's doing is just so splash. You know, I mean, it's just so wow. It's so historical. I think he has to be the favorite. I agree. Yeah, I think he just has to right now, especially in look. It's what it's he he was he's the last guy we just saw dominate on Monday Night Football, so that helps, mm-hmm. and everyone got to watch him do that. And the week before, it was Wilson who was um, in prime time against the Forty ers That overtime game, he didn't light the world on fire, but you know he completed seventy percent of his passes, didn't throw a bunch of touchdowns or anything like that, so it wasn't a bad game, two hundred thirty yards passing, but. He just hasn't had that opportunity to really light things up for a few weeks since that Tampa game where he did throw five touchdown passes and threw for 378 yards. So it's just the recency bias there right now for Lamar Jackson, which would have me put him ahead of Wilson. But I agree that's one too easily right now. Then there's a gap to everybody else. I agree. And there's one sleeper that could finish the season really strong, and that's a reigning MVP. Let's not forget Pat Mahomes is still in the league. Right. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's become <laughs> He's pretty good. It's become a cute quarterback award, but you still have to talk about McCaffrey, I think, in mm-hmm. there, and, and he'll get his, uh, you know, he'll get some votes, I think, but obviously it's just he's not going to win it, so. No. Okay, 49ers, Packers. If you want to hear my take on this, you guys can listen to my yeah, podcast, Locked On 49ers, to get the deep dive on it. Uh, I do have some thoughts here with you, Matt, about Rodgers, the 49ers. And I think the the argument has always been, and we've seen the argument with the Patriots, too, is like, you know, you have an easy schedule. It's like you can't do anything about that. You can only play the teams that you have on your schedule. The 49ers, a missed field goal in overtime away from beating the Seahawks on Monday Night Football and being 11-0 right now. And I think the one thing you take away from it, and this is what I talked about with Peter Bukowski on the Crossover Podcast, uh, who hosts Locked On Packers last week, is like, I know there's these things that point to maybe the 49ers aren't for real, but when you watch the 49ers defense, you just say, oh, "Oh, okay, they're great. They're a great defense. Like, they are ridiculous. And I think the Packers fans out there that thought maybe Aaron Rodgers and, and... and the Packers were going to come in and show that the, the 49ers were a paper tiger on Sunday night football. And that was definitely not the case. The 49ers are absolutely for real and could get even better on offense, even though they're doing some pretty efficient things there. Uh, Garoppolo with 145 quarterback rating, even though he didn't light things up on Sunday night. Yeah, and I took some heat from some Packer fans from my power ranks. I think I had them about eight. And I just think that this was a really good example Two Shanahan disciples, you know, deep down, you know, the the Mike Shanahan tree. But one organization to me is just a couple years ahead of the other in that transition where I'm sitting there watching the Niners dismantle these guys, and I thought to myself, okay, what which position should their first-round pick be? I'm like, yeah, maybe a safety. Could always use another offensive lineman. Or they could have nothing and be really good. You know, like, there's uh, that's a complete team. 
And I don't know who all their free agents are off the top of my head, so maybe it'd just be replace a free agent type of deal. But I'm looking at the Packers going, they have pieces. You know, like they added the Smith brothers, and I like Clark, and I like Savage, but they're pieces. You know, there's Adams and Jones and Rodgers and the tackles, but where's the rest? You know, where they're not a complete Shanahan mold yet. They're two years behind, but their quarterback is advanced, but what's he going to be like when two years from now, you know? No, that's a great point. Yeah, and, and it takes a while, and head coaches rarely just jump in, and everything's perfect right away. So, again, talking about the adjustments, he's, they're going to figure things out, and they're going to be good, and they're going to be better next year probably than they are right now. But I think, you know, it's interesting, Matt, and you've got to get me along with David Locke, got to give you props here. Not only having the Ravens at number one, but, you know, the Packers at number eight, and the Packers fans didn't like that in your power rankings. I think you had the 49ers... You had them at one last time. You dropped them. Were they at two or three? Or they were two. two. They were definitely yeah. ahead of the Patriots. So basically having, yeah, right. Yeah, two. So having the Ravens one, the 49ers two, the Packers eight, the Patriots right behind uh, the 49ers. There were three or four. Yeah. I think the Saints were three. Like, you got to feel pretty good about yourself. Like, let, let's pat Matt Williamson on the back right now. A week after your, those power rankings, it's not like, oh, I have to go scramble and, and redo some things. Like, you kind of nailed it. I guess. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I've learned, I've been doing this too long to think, boy, you got this whole thing figured out, but I feel like I have a pretty good grasp of the Raven of at least these top teams. Do you want to talk NFL 100? Yeah, let's do that. I'm a big fan of the hall of fame and historical stuff. And I watched the first one with the running backs and I, I, I don't know. I think it's a fun conversation. Let's start there with the running backs. To me, the obvious one is, like, these guys were all drafted in the 80s. Like, the, the oldest guy on the list is, who, Emmett Smith? So, 1990. Emmett Smith was 1990. Barry Sanders drafted in 1989. They just completely left off guys like LaDainian Tomlinson, Marshall Falk. Uh, I think that's a big error, and I understand it's really hard in a 100-year history of a sport, and you've got to have some old-timers in there, like Earl Dutch Clark that none of us have ever seen play because he stopped playing in 1938. But you got to at least tip your cap to one of the more recent superstar players, someone that was so good. Like, just so to me, leaving LaDainian Tomlinson off is almost unforgivable if you're going to have 12 running backs and, and nobody drafted past 1990. Yeah, no current guys. And you, know, you look at the league now, the best running backs are all too young. You know, they're McCaffrey and Emmett or, or Ezekiel and Barkley and those guys. So right. they didn't count. But I'm with you because. On my Steelers show, we broke these down before the running backs were announced. And I basically said, I'm sorry, but if you're playing before 1950, I'm going to be massively biased against you. (laughs) I mean, I understand the league was important then and they're our forefront, but it was almost like a different game. You know, that um, I'm sure that dude who I hadn't heard of before was wonderful and one of the best players of his era. Um, to me, it was like Mary and Motley are earlier and I'm listening. I mean, I don't want to hear about Red Grange and some of the the real old guys I'm going to be biased against. I'm sorry. The leagues just changed and progressed so quickly. And yeah, the two that I had the biggest problem with were Falk and Tomlinson. They would be awesome today. You know, like going into that, I said, I bet two guys that are going to be on the fringe are Earl Campbell and OJ Simpson. And I think of those two as being maybe the two most underrated all-time greats and OJ's off the field didn't help his cause either. So I was happy those (laughs) two went on for what they do on the field, 
But the two that were kind of sitting out there that didn't belong with the others that didn't make the list were exactly what you said, Falk and Tomlinson. I mean, they were their receiving skills for not that long ago were so advanced. Absolutely. Yeah, 100% agree with you on that. And if, if you're the NFL doing this thing and making these selections and there's a little bit of an argument and there are some fringe players you're not sure should be on or off, I think everyone would have just been, you know, okay if you just left OJ off and, and, and not brought up that name. I think most people would have been like, oh, yeah, OJ deserves to be on there, but I can see why he wasn't on the list and let's just kind of, you know, <laughs> you don't want to yeah, erase right, him from history. But uh, there was, I think, some easy ones to to leave off to add someone like at least LT who absolutely deserves to be on there. And maybe they want to have it be a little bit more, um, you know, controversial and, and have conversations like this going on and talking about this list. And so maybe they're purposely leaving some younger players off the list that, that people now would have fought for. Cause nobody's going to be, we wouldn't be talking about how Earl Dutch Clark deserved to be on this list. Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, I think that they feel like they have to honor the forefathers and I get that, but Earl Dutch Clark versus LT. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, yeah. There's definitely recency bias there, but I'll take Collins. And you still have Steve Van Buren and Marion Motley and some guys from the '40s. And mm-hmm. I like them having one fullback on the list too. In, in Motley, who was not just a pure, you know, running back and in, in, in point scoring type of running back. So, um, yeah, that's my thoughts there on the running back list. Just one huge omission there. And let's talk defensive line and linebackers because the finalists have been announced and we'll find out who actually goes Friday. Long day at work? Still stuck at the office? Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. I'll go through the list here, Matt. You give me your thoughts on in or out for some of these players and we'll start with linebacker. And if I'm not mistaken, you said before we went on the air that Ray Lewis has been confirmed that he's in. Yeah. They said that last night and that's something they did the week before with Jim Brown, because he's going to sit down with Belichick and Collinsworth and those guys and be one of the hosts. So not a big shock. Jim Brown made it. Ray Lewis made it. I guess they're going to take 12 linebackers and I haven't seen the list. So this will be very organic just off the top of my head. I assume like a Lawrence Taylor or a Derek Thomas will be linebackers. They didn't call people edge back then. So this will be interesting. So, I mean, you just want to spit them off. I'll say I'm sitting here with a little notepad. I'll say yes, slam dunk, or maybe, and we'll go back and pick 12. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, 12 of these 25 will make the list for the all-time NFL 100 linebackers. We've got Chuck Bednarik is the first name, and these are alphabetical. Right. He's going to be a maybe for me. I mean, okay. he's going to be set him aside and see who else pops up. I think Ben Eric's going to be in Bobby Bell, 1963 to 1974. He was a Hall of Famer in 1983 for the Kansas City Chiefs. He was a seventh round draft pick. I love these uh, old timers, too, because the, the draft was not as much of a science as it is now. A lot of late draft picks and the draft went like 12 rounds. And you'll find, oh, ninth round pick is a Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah, you do get that a lot. Um, he's going to be a maybe too, but I think I'd take Ben Derrick over Bell. Derek Brooks, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, great. They're all in the same tier for me. The very good, and we'll see who they're competing against types? Yes. Okay. Uh, Dick Butkus. Yes, in. In, for sure. So we got two in. We got Ray and Dick in. Harry Carson. Probably not. 
I mean, those guys you mentioned before, I would say ahead of him. Uh, here's a guy I've never seen play, Bill George, uh, Chicago Bears, 1952 to 1966. I mean, I know the name. He's revered. He sure seems like one of those guys that'll end up getting in for that era, considered one of the best of that era. Uh, Kevin Green. And basically what I'm picturing here for this all-time team is they're running a 3-4 defense, right? I mean, they're, they're, those edge guys are <laughs> yeah. basically, yeah, I guess we should kind of look at it that way, except for it'll probably be more like a 4-4 defense because they're going right. to have Deacon Jones That's and Reggie true. White right. and Bruce Smith and those types too. Um, Green's also a maybe, you know, like I'm sitting here, Green versus Brooks. They don't really play the close to the same position, but I can see why in the whole time world they call them linebackers. I go Brooks over Green, I think. Mm -hmm. Although Green played a long time, was really good, but I think he's going to get surpassed by some other names on this list. Uh, one of them probably being Jack Ham. I think Ham's a no-brainer. I am biased, but I've done my all-time Steeler list, and he's like fourth of my best Steelers ever. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, and I would assume he'd be into uh, Ted, so. Ted Hendricks. I think he's closer to a no. I think he's like a Carson. How about Clark Hinkle, 1932 to 1941. He was out there trying to chase around Dutch Clark. Clark on <laughs> I Clark no there. Comment. I'm not sure on that one. <laughs> I'm sure he was wonderful, but I don't know. Uh, judging by the running backs, I, I have a feeling he's going to be in because he's the oldest person on this list and they're going yeah. to uh include some of those guys and, and i understand that for sure uh sam huff. Maybe like huff i think huff has to go don't you think yeah i think sam huff uh of the names we've seen so far would be in but there's still a lot of good players here here's one currently playing and it's going to be more difficult for current players to get in but luke keekley i'm glad i sit here and i wrote myself a note i have very few notes on this page and one of them was luke just thinking I bet he's not on the list, but boy, he should be. Yep. I think he's an all-time great. I don't think he's far behind Ray Lewis from guys we've seen lately. I lean towards yes. I mean, I would put him ahead of Bell, Brooks, Kevin Green. Uh, I think he's an all-time great. I totally agree, and I'm glad he's on this list, and I yeah. don't think he's going to get in, but he deserves to, I think. Yeah, and uh, he's not done. Jack Lambert. You would think I'd say, yeah, slam dunk, but I think he's closer to a maybe. I mean, I love Lambert. I had a Lambert poster, Lambert jerseys, but it was sure nice playing behind Joe Green. <laughs> That's very true. You can't put all those Steelers <laughs> in either. I guess you could. Because um, I'm going to be arguing for a lot of 49ers, I'm sure, when, I'm sure. when those names come up. Uh, Willie Lanier. I think he's similar to Bell in the maybe category. Fringe. Ray Lewis in, should be in for sure. Yeah, yeah. Von Miller, another current player. Ooh, I'm shocked he's on there, but I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no, he doesn't get in, but probably deserves more consideration than he'll get. Yeah, it's a, that's a good one. Yeah, he's going to be a triple-digit career sack guy, and uh, there's not a lot of those. No, you're right, and he's still going strong. Ray Nitschke? I got to think he's got to go, right? Yeah, I he's, mean, he's, he's like one the, of those dudes, like, you can't write the NFL – you know, history without him. Exactly. Well said. Uh, Dave Robinson, a player I am not familiar with. I know very little about him. Also older. I'm going to vote no, but maybe he's better than I think. A player from the Packers 60s dynasty. Mm -hmm. Joe Schmidt, another name that uh, I have not seen a lot of. You know what? I, and I realized looking back at NFL players in the history of the NFL, the NFL has done a lot worse job and maybe the NFL just wasn't as popular. When I think back about names of uh 
old old time baseball players, you know, like Tris Speaker and Honus Wagner in the right. days of Babe Ruth and all these guys. These are legendary players that we all recognize. You go back even to the 50s and, and I don't know half of these names. They don't really get brought up a lot. No, you're right. I mean, that's very well said. I'm obviously much more dedicated than football to baseball, but I could tell you way more you know, great players from the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s in baseball. And maybe the style of the league has something to do with it, but I'm going to vote no on Schmidt. And this is where some of those maybes are going to start dropping off your list because we've got names like Junior Seau, who to me is obviously uh, in. I think Seau goes, but maybe I'm not as strong on it as you are. Like, I'll take Seau over Lambert over Luke. How about Mike Singletary? No, I know that sounds brutal, but <laughs> I, I I'll take more. I don't think he'd be my top twelve. You know, and it's funny because I kind of feel the same way. I bet he gets in, but I don't mm-hmm. think he would make it for me in my twelve. Looking at this list now that we've gone through these twenty five names, Lawrence Taylor on the list and absolutely has to be one of them. He's number one, yeah. Uh, Derek Thomas. I would say yes. I would say yes. He goes in over the other edge guys like Von Miller and, and Kevin Green. Kevin Green and right, exactly. Brian Erlacher. I would put Erlacher over Singletary, but I don't know if that gets you in the top twelve. And the last one on the list here is Dave Wilcox, who for me is out, and for a guy who played for the 49ers, as Wilcox did, I would have Patrick Willis over him. Uh I'd have mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe I, I, I don't know. Wilcox was good. I, I would just have other, and I, I think maybe uh, Charles Haley, and he'll probably be on the defensive line list. I haven't uh, dug into that deep yet, but he was more of a, an outside linebacker type that would be in this group, I would assume. But anyway, yes, Dave, I'm, Dave I'm Wilcox curious is where he falls. But maybe we should do D line tomorrow. Yeah, we're um, out of time here, so we've got to do D line next time. The guys I have as no-brainers are Lewis is in, Butkus, LT, Ham, Hoff, Nitschke, Derek Thomas, Seau. I think Bednarik has to go, you know, whenever I'm looking at this list. And then I'm looking at, like, Keekley Lambert. And that's 11 or 12? I might have missed one. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I had nine slam dunks, and I ignored the old dudes. I bet two old dudes go. And then Lambert or Luke or Brooks. I like it. I would do, I would put Keekly, Brooks, uh, Lambert. Yeah, see, the old guys I just don't know. And the old guys yeah. are going to have to take a, a spot there. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's, you know, Clark Hinkle instead of Luke Keekly. Right, exactly. I'm, I'm betting that happens. Or Bill George, I have a feeling, ends up on the team. And again, I, with all respect to him, I just can't speak as intelligently on those right. guys. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess we'll have to wait for uh, Bill Belichick or, or whoever to break down that film of the old timers, and, and we'll learn a little something about some of these guys, which, which is cool. Yeah. Which is cool. I, I did like seeing um, Clark, uh, Dutch Clark, uh, the, the clips of him, and just seeing how different the game was. And I was thinking, ah, uh, yeah, I'll take LT. But it was still cool to see those guys. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> all right, Matt, we're out of time here. Good stuff. We're going to break down those thanksgiving football games tomorrow and see if we have time hopefully to hit the defensive line nfl 100 all-time list talk to you then right here locked on nfl